Hey, aloha, everybody. This is Jeff Reinbold, and we are live on the Lanai, and it is Coffee with Coach. And I am joined, first of all, by my man, Magic Mike, the, my, the guy that makes this whole thing happen from his nest over in Ireland on the Emerald Isle. Michael, what's up? From my nest, uh, I love it. Uh, I haven't got a decent, I haven't got as good a background as you have, um, unfortunately here. But yeah, it's it's going good, Jeff. It's uh, it's hard to believe now we're sitting, um, what five? No, not like four months out now. So we're getting there. Uh, yeah, it's just exciting, man. This this off season's flying in. You know, it's it's fun that we're able to do this throughout the year because during the off season, it gives us a chance to kind of really delve into some things that you know we don't normally get a chance to do talk to people we don't normally get a chance to talk talk to and about their football journeys and you know how they've you know been able a lot of these guys now and this is the coolest thing to me is whether it's you me or anybody else that actually has an opportunity to do this year round in some capacity whether that's having a podcast like this or working for a you know, for an NFL team or working for an organization, a uh, amateur team or whatever, there is a, a appetite now for the National Football League 12 months of the year. And that's really an awesome thing. You are the being of that. I mean, you, you were in Vegas a few weeks ago and you seen like how big a deal that was in April when the season's two months out. And, you know, we're in a situation where the NBA Finals are on, the Premier League's just finished, uh, the NHL's on full blast, and yet everyone's still talking about this league. So, yeah, it's a testament to how uh, how popular it is, and it's, it's, it's been a crazy off-season. I feel like we're about to get a break, a little, a little bit of a break, but uh, we're getting there. No, there's all, it's, you know, it's amazing. There's always news. There's always things to cho chop up and talk about. And one of the things, Mike, I, I don't know if you saw this, but I'm, uh, as, a, as a guy that, you know, made his living for a lot of years as a special teams coach in pro football. It's concerning to me that um, there was a move at the recent um, owners meetings that, you know, to, to try and change the punt rules because they feel that the punt is one of the plays in football that has the mm -hmm. highest number of injuries, lower leg injuries and soft tissue injuries. And um, I just really thought I was glad that cooler heads prevailed and you know whether it was coach Harbaugh or coach Tomlin who spoke out against changing the rules um I I, I I'm I'm all for making the game safe but I'm not into at all changing the nature of our game and I thought it was interesting Bud Grant the Hall of Fame coach from uh the Minnesota Vikings most won more football games than anybody in Viking history has come out and said that the NFL is missing the boat and should actually use the CFL rules relative to the return game because it's so much, it's such a huge play in football. It's intriguing. I, I like the rules that, that, that like the, the, the way they are at the minute, but I've seen over here, like in, albeit amateur sports and Irish sports, like for example, in Gaelic, they do change the rules. Not a lot, but they're not scared to change the rules. So, for example, they bought uh, they they brought a black card in, which is not it's different to a red card. They brought the mark in, which means if somebody catches a ball by jumping in the air and then lands it, and they can stop the play by going like that, which is an Aussie rules as well. Things work, things don't work. It's important to mix and match and change. And like you've seen, like the overtime rule 
was changed. So I, I I'm all for being uh, reflective and adaptive with a game, and it's good. It, it's it's good. As long as they, as, and I think this is important. As long as they don't change the fundamental nature of the game, and I think that there's, it's, you know, again, this may be. Like I say, because I was a special teams coach, it seems like that's where they always go when they want to make a change, particularly when they want to talk about the safety of the game. Mm. And I'm all for the safety of the game. But the reality of it is this is a game that's different than others. And there is physical risk involved, and especially when you're playing at the highest level. But you got to be careful when you only use statistics. You got, you know, because statistics are an interesting thing. They can be twisted in any way you want to twist them. And that was one of the things that both Coach uh, Harbaugh and um, Coach Tomlin talked about was, you know, let's not have a knee-jerk reaction here. Let's really look at how we can fix it, how we can, you know, whether it's an expanded practice roster, which the NFL agreed to go to, having veterans on your practice roster. So now you're starting to you're starting to lessen the amount of pounding that your that your players that are going to play on Sunday are going to take during the week because when you only have the small rosters that we have you know some of your you know veterans are taking practice snaps on the scout team and that's you know that I, that's not the more we can get away from that i think the the safer the game's going to be plus expanded practice roster means more jobs, more opportunity, more chance to develop players. It's a, it's a win, win, win all the way around. And I think that's a great move by the national football league and the NFL players association to push for it. Yeah. And maybe we'll get to talk a little bit about the CFL a little bit, because I know that's in the news this week. We have got a guest. Do you want me to introduce him or do you want to, do you want to well, bring him on? You bring him on. Cause I, all right, well, we're, you're, you're hitting the pro football network hall of fame here at this point. You've brought you, you you've had Ollie in for weeks there doing the draft coverage. Uh, I met this guy, uh, luckily at the London games, real, real fan of pro football network. Delighted to welcome in uh, Mr. Ben Rolf. I hope I got Ben's surname correct. Rolf Ben. Yes. Yes. But um. Welcome in, welcome in. I'm going to go back and get some questions, Jeff, but welcome in. So fans, get your questions in. Make sure, again, and we'll have to keep pounding on this till we get it till we get it done. Tell us where you're calling in from. Last, last week we had calls from Ireland, from the UK, from Utah and the United States. This, this podcast goes out around the world. So again, if you've got questions for Ben, if you've got questions for Michael or me, please, if it's a hot take, that's good too. We'll take your hot takes. Ben, let's track your journey, your football journey from when did it start, where did it start, and how did you get to be such a football fanatic? Cool. So it really started back in 2007. Well, 2006, 2007. The first Super Bowl I ever watched was Chicago Bears, Indianapolis Colts, when Peyton Manning got his ring. And this shows you how much things have changed, even just in the time I've been watching it. I watched that Super Bowl over five nights on tape recorder because in the UK, you could, you, it wouldn't be spoiled for you because nobody covered it that much. BBC might have it buried on a page five pages deep, but you, you could watch it for five days and no one would spoil it for you. If anything would get spoiled, it would be the things that happened at the halftime act rather than the game itself. Like that's where the sport was at the time. And then 2007, Tom Brady and the Patriots, just that that football on Sky Sports every week just blew my mind. And me and my brother both became fans from there. And my my love for the game grew 
over the next five or six years to a point where I, I wanted to start writing about it. So that was kind of how the initial phase went for me. It was like it, it pulled me in one Sunday night after Soccer Saturday had fit, Soccer Sunday had finished. And next thing I knew, I was watching American football and understanding the rules and loving it. All right. Now, who were you a fan of early? Like, were you a Patriots fan? Uh, you know, you came in at a time when the Patriots were a dominant team. Did you, did you, were you say, okay, I like that team because they win a lot? Or how did your fandom start? So my fandom for the, for them started with 2007. I mean, it, it was just, it not so much because they were winning, because of the product they were putting on the field. It was like obviously the winning helps when you're getting into a team. Like if you're coming away with a sad feeling every night, you're probably not going to end up following that team closely unless there's something else pulling you in. But with the Patriots, it was the whole picture that year. There was defense, there was Brady, there was Randy Moss, Wes Welker. And I have to say, Wes Welker is probably the guy that drew me in more than anything because he was just so different to anyone else on the field. And that's obviously led then to Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, that that type of guy. But Wes Welker was a guy that's the same height as me. He's a lot fitter and healthier than me, but he looks like me for all intents and purposes. And you relate to those kind of people. And like to see a five foot ten guy having the success he was having, or five foot eleven, he's like to have that success in that league that is predominantly you associate with big, tall guys and who, who run a lot faster than he did. And a guy that wanted to kick, wanted to play on defense, like all of that. He was the first guy that I really idolized in the sport. Well, it's interesting. You talk about 5'10", 5'11". Let me just tell you something. I've been next to Wes, and I'm 5'9", and he ain't no taller than me. <laughs> so I think somebody's stretching a little bit. But you're right. He's He was a guy that had an unbelievable career from really, you know, you talk about a you know kid that was very lightly recruited coming out of high school in Oklahoma, goes to Texas Tech gets involved in an offense that gives him an opportunity to play for wide receiver offense. He didn't have to be a big guy. He had to be smart. He had to be tough. He had to make be able to catch the football and, and have some quickness. And he had all of those in spades, an incredibly competitive guy, and now doing a great job of coaching wide receivers. So I'm, I'm with you on, on the whole Wes Welker thing. Now, one of the things about this podcast, Ben, is there are guys that are out there, young guys that are out there, that we try and illustrate to them how it is possible to have a career or a you know future in football beyond the playing field or the coaching environment. And you've been able to do that with your work at Pro Football Network. Talk about how that all came to be. So the process to get to the point of working at Pro Football Network, it took best part of, I mean, well, I started watching football 15 years ago. I probably started writing 10 years ago and I moved around a few sites. I found some guys that shared my, like I fell into a lot of American sports. So I was a, I went to a site that allowed me to write a little bit about a few sports. And I found out very quickly that either baseball or football was kind of where my passions lie. So then I, I kind of started to narrow it down, went through different sites. I, I, I did some in the UK, some in the US. And then actually it was Ollie. It turns out it's funny. My and Ollie's story very much intersects because I was at a site called 99 Yards with um, that I believe you know, Liz, who runs it. Yep. I was yep. there and Ollie, Ollie joined. He'd never written a day in his life about football. He was just a, a I'd say a kid. I think he's older than me, so he'll probably slap me for saying that. But um <laughs> 
he joined, never wrote about football, just had this passion for college football. And me and him hit it off. And I, I kind of tried to help him and he tried to help me learn a bit more about college football. And we kind of shared that passion. And then one day he came to me and said, hey, I, I write for this site, Pro Football Network. They're looking for some editors. And I'd been editing for him. So I went and I went and signed on there. And the, it was funny. The first thing they said to me is, you're a writer. You like to write. Why do you want to edit? Aren't you just going to get here and then six months down the line tell me you don't want to edit anymore and, and write? And I said, no, 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 I, I want to edit. I've, I'd, my second child had just been born. I said, I want to edit. I think that'll be more fitting into my lifestyle. Within 12 months, I was writing and not really editing. And the guy that brought me on probably sat there with his head in his hands. But it worked out the way it has and to the point where I've had, had many different roles at Pro Football Network. But it's just been a case of hard work, being in the right place at the right time and knowing which sites to kind of cling on to when you're there as well. Like you need to find that ambition in different sites. And I've seen it in a few places, but it, it for it to really work and for you to grow, you've either got to step up and keep getting bigger and bigger until you get to one of these established places or you've got to get, I think I deem myself extremely lucky to have landed at such a good site where the owners were passionate and wanted to grow the site and were willing to invest to grow the site to the point they have, where in the space of three years, it's gone from a startup to a full multimedia football company. Yeah, you know, and and we had Ali on as our um, guest uh, analyst for the draft, and he did a fantastic job. And as I've followed Ali after the draft, he's already grinding through film for next year's draft and looking at players and projecting. And, you know, I, I think it's amazing when, I, you know, all of this is part of the growth of the game in the UK that has been exponential. And I mean, exponential. What is it that's going on at Pro Football Network now in this time that quote we call the off season how are you guys filling pages and filling your time and and what's going on in the network at this point so yeah it's delicate balance now because we, we obviously we know that the football calendar has slowed down a little bit but i mean you're seeing what ollie and his guys are doing they're putting out stories brilliant heartfelt stories about where are these players now ollie wrote one that's either gone out today or is going out tomorrow james um one of our us-based guys wrote about trent richardson and where he is now and so what we're doing is going perhaps outside the lines. The NFL team, they're looking for storylines that aren't perhaps out there in the main media and offering opinions on it. I personally, I run the fantasy and, and betting departments. And what we're starting to do is starting to put profiles together for the, for the summer. So we're already thinking about the profiles that are going to launch around Labor Day weekend, where we break down specific players. So in the background, we're working on those while also trying to think of angles that are informative. So it might be best ball fantasy football now it might be um who scored the most points ever in a single game in fantasy these questions that pop up on a random sunday in week 15 but now's the time we've got to dig into it research it write it and put our passion into it yeah i you know again it's all part of the whole process all part of the whole picture um and again i salute what you guys do because it is really amazing um keeping the content coming you know, and again, you wouldn't have content if you didn't have people who want it. And uh, I think that's that's a big part of this whole deal. Do you think, Ben, as you look at it, how much do you think the growth of the game goes down to 
the decision the NFL made to come to London with regular season football and the growth of the international series? I think that's definitely helped. It's definitely made it more real for people. It's taken it from a game on a computer screen or a television screen and put it in front of people to be there in the stadium. I'd watched, I, I mean, ironically, the NFL started coming over here at the time I started following the sport. So maybe that was part of it as well as to why I, I kind of gripped with me. But to actually sit in the stands and hear those hits, it just, it feels different to you that you don't get in any sport here other than rugby. You get it in rugby. I'll have rugby people shouting at me if I'm not careful. But it's just the atmosphere of sitting in Wembley Stadium with the lights going. And, and that's the thing with American sports. There's always a show that comes with it. It's, there's never a dull moment. And that's one of the big things. But I, I also think the growth of the coverage that's offered by BBC, by Sky Sports, that's made a huge difference. And whether that's been driven by the international series, I don't know. But what what's now available to watch here with Game Pass and we can we can wake up, we can turn our TVs on at 12 o'clock every day and watch Good Morning Football. Like that would that would be unthought of 10 years ago. But now it's just a given of part of the day. Like, you know, it's 12 o'clock, you're turning your iPad, your TV on and you're watching Good Morning Football. That those additional elements just make such a big difference when you're trying to grow a fan base. And I think it's a big reason of the fact why football is so popular over here, but perhaps basketball hasn't quite gone to the same level because there isn't that same offering. There isn't yourself and Neil doing a basketball show like once a week that people can tune into and podcasts from UK-based people. And it's the effort that goes in from all those producers and presenters and analysts on those shows in the UK that do it. And it's the way that Sky go out and look to bring this content in and work with the NFL to show us America's games and all these films that otherwise we'd never see. It's wonderful. Yeah. You know, and, and I tell you what, as an analyst, what, what has been most, um, I guess has caused me the most amount of joy is the fact that every year when I come back and we start to break down plays or break down a situation or a technique or whatever, the knowledge of the fan base is so much past what it was when I first started to work at Sky in 2000, and I think it was about 2004 or five. Um, and it was very, very rudimentary at that point. Like basically you know, it's this is what a first down is that takes four downs to get one and da 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 da. Now we're into, you know, what's you know what's the, what's a double zone? How do how, what what does it mean to play one rat? All the technical football things that you would you would take and project to an American audience. I don't think we dumb down the analyst part of it. I certainly don't. Uh, any any differently than when I'm doing it in London as when I'm doing it in you know Dallas Texas it doesn't it doesn't change I think the fans are so much more knowledgeable than they've ever been about the intricacies of the game yeah and I think the development of technology certainly helped because as you can show more on a screen you can demonstrate easier and it becomes easier than just talking about it so it allows you to bring your explanations to life and really emphasize your points in a way that if you were just describing it, couldn't. But I also, I came to a show in Birmingham when I was at university and I think, I believe it was you and Neil, I can't remember who else was on the 
thing, but you pulled like three guys up out of the arena in, in, in onto the stage and had them stand in the positions to demonstrate. So even like just simple things like that. And I remember you guys doing it in the studio. You guys would, would you like Neil would stand where you needed him to, to be able to demonstrate and that kind of thing and that aspect. And just as you, as you learn more, you naturally want to learn more. So the more things are explained to you, the better it kind of goes the easier it is. And that, that's something we always discuss at Pro Football Network as well. It's like, we want to explain it to every fan, but we want to do it in multiple layers so that it's easy enough for the new fan to understand. But you also don't want the experienced fan coming to you and saying, well, I know that's how a contract works. This was a waste of my time. They want to learn something from there as well. So it's that it's that balance that's now so key that we all have to strike. Well, you segued perfectly right there. That was a that was a masterful segue because my next question was going to be, what's the future? What is going on at Pro Football Network? And how do people around the world, because it's now we're in this, you know, this globalized world. And so it's not just fans in the UK. We're talking about fans anywhere can can log into what you guys do, access your expertise, access your opinion. How does that happen and what is coming now down the pike in the next months? You can find us at profootballnetwork.com and PFN365 on Twitter. We also have YouTube channels. We have podcasts. Ollie does the Premier Fantasy Draft podcast. My guys, Tommy and Jason, do the Premier Fantasy Football podcast. What's coming down the pipe this summer is, is a lot of, I would say, interesting and informative content. It might not seem like the busy time of the year for the NFL, but in the coming few weeks, we're going to have lots of stuff that are going to educate you, whether you want to learn more about fantasy football, you want to learn more about draft prospects. Like the the thing for me that's appointment viewing on the site is what the college and draft team are doing. Because I, I said this to Michael earlier, I'm a relative college novice. I can watch college football and enjoy it. I don't know the history and the depth behind it. And so to read that stuff is really interesting to me. And for someone who's not a big fantasy football player, finding out more about the history of fantasy football and the greatest games ever uh, are always interesting. So we're also going to have preview guides. So we're going to have 250 prospects previewed from a fantasy football perspective ahead of the season. We've got a, a, a season guide coming out. Our NFL team are working hard already on producing the content to go into that guide that will be available towards the back end of the year. And at the same time, we're all building up towards already thinking about September. It's crazy to think that it's, it's May. The schedule was released 14 days ago and already we're starting to put together our calendar for what we're going to write that first week in September because that, that's just the way the football world rolls on. Yeah, have you guys, because I, I know you do an awful lot with college football and I, and I really think that uh, that's an area that I think is the next horizon, next frontier, if you will, because college football in the United States is really, really, really something special. The, the, you know, the atmosphere, the pomp and pageantry, the history, the traditional things. You've got Nebraska and Northwestern coming to Ireland this summer at the, you know, just to open the season. Are you guys going to do anything around the that game that's going to be played in Ireland? So it's a better question for Ollie than it is for me. I, I, I'm not so much involved in the planning of that, but I know there's been discussions held for it but for sure we are and i mean we're always looking at, at what we can do around college football because we have the guys based in the in the us as well who are covering games and doing all of that the, the problem with we find with college football is it, it's very tribal it, there's so much of it it's it's so hard to kind of find 
without covering all 100 and whatever, I mean, 200, 300 different colleges that are out there, that you, there's always more content you can do with college football. And it's like, where do you where do you dip your toe in the water versus diving headfirst in? It's That's possibly the most, I would say, daunting part for a UK fan. Like the NFL, you can work it out. There's 32 teams. It's not difficult. But college football, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a big mass of different teams, different structures. And it's, it's something that, yeah, it's trying to get to the bottom of that and try and explain it. But we, we definitely want to do something around the Island game and how that will work. But it's just exciting to have it here. It's been teased so much, these college football games over here. And then due to various different reasons, they haven't always been able to come through. But this one coming is so exciting. It's, it is huge. And, and uh, you, know, you talk about how, how big college football is in the United States. And I'll just give you an example of a little bit of it, right? In the state of Nebraska, right, Lincoln and Omaha are the two biggest towns in Nebraska, two of the bigger towns in Nebraska. Actually, on football Saturday at the University of Nebraska, the number of fans in the stands would make that stadium the second largest city in the state of Nebraska. Just take the fans in the stadium for those four hours on Saturday afternoon, and it would be the second largest city in the state of Nebraska. And it is a sea of red. And um, I, I really encourage fans to get to Ireland, if you can, and see the Cornhuskers of Nebraska against the Wildcats of Northwestern. It'll be a fantastic, fantastic afternoon. Ben, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your journey with us, your football journey with us, and what's going on at Pro Football Network. I, as I said to you before the before the broadcast, I am going to send you a fiver and make sure that you get it to Ollie so he can get a real haircut next time he goes to get a haircut. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, again, thank you so much for being on the show today, Ben. And, and it's a pleasure and love your work and keep doing your thing. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on here. It's been great to talk All to you. All right, brother. That was uh, my man, Ben, from Pro Football Network. Those guys over there, they do a fantastic, fantastic job and grind it, man. I mean, they grind it. And, you know, it's one of the things that I think has really been a positive out of the expansion of the, you know, the games in, in the UK and football throughout, you know, the UK and Europe is more and more people are finding a way to be involved and be a part of it. Great to hear from Ben there. Uh, him and all your gentlemen. Obviously met them in London last last year at Tottenham for the games. Um, great lads. Great to see them going from strength to strength. Obviously, Ollie was a huge help for the draft coverage. Fantastic analysis, but great to hear from Ben there as well. Really fascinating way of getting into the league. I remember my night sitting watching you boys and Kevin and all. Do you now here here's a fun story for you? Do you ever remember the time when somebody drew a picture of you boys? And they said they said they were twelve years old, no, no. And, they, and Neil Neil held it up and said like, sorry, everyone started laughing. Like he was like, "Go to bed." No, maybe you weren't on at that point. No, that was a I guy don't remember in my that. house. I do not remember that. But I would you normally if it's something that a kid did, I would I would remember. So that was I a guy in my house. Jeff, a guy in my house that was we were in college, and he was like, "I'm gonna get like," because it was back in the day when you could tweet in and they would read the tweets out. So. He literally drew a picture, I think, of Nate Reynolds. 
Well, like he, he was he was a great sport. It was so funny, man. Like I like genuinely it was absolutely hilarious. But I, I was wondering were you there? Because that's a small world. But yeah, just just going back on what on what Ben said, like that seems like um, that seems like one season ago, you know, that seems like the, the good old days, you know, in that sense it, it, it was You know what? Fun. One of the funny funny things I remember we like when I first started, it was Kevin, myself, and uh Nick Holling. And Nick was a dyed-in-the-wool Steelers fan. I mean, he loved the Steelers. And obviously, Kevin was a Buffalo fan. And, you know, I, I, I was, you know, ambivalent, basically, but had my Raider, you know, I, I, always a Raider fan. And Nick used to rant about the Patriots. I mean, he couldn't stand the Patriots. And he would, he call, he would call them those prawn-eating Patriot fans, right? And so one night on the show, I smuggled in a prawn sandwich, right? And Nick goes off on his rant, right? And all of a sudden I pull out from underneath the desk, I pull out this prawn sandwich. <laughs> I start eating the prawn sandwich on the, on this show. And he, it like, it's the first time I've ever seen Nick Holling speechless. It was it was priceless. And Kevin, I didn't tell anybody I was going to do it. I cleared it with the producer, Carl Bauman, but uh, I didn't tell the other guys on this show I was going to do it. And they were, they were like stupefied. Like, what is he doing? Man, man, big, big Kev must be looking down now at those Bills being very, very proud. And ho- ho- man, imagine the Bills win it the next few years. Like, he'd be looking down. Imagine him and the Bills win it. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I'm going to tell you something. And you know what's really cool is. Mm. The fans every year when we have a Bills game or when the Bills do well or whatever, there are always references to Big Kev and how much he loved the Bills. And he was kind of a Bills fan a little bit like I see a lot of Jets fans, like a Dolphins fan. Like they love their club, but they they always believe that the worst is going to happen. And Kevin was kind of like that about the Bills. After being disappointed for so many years and four Super Bowls and the whole deal, I, I think, you know, but you couldn't, he couldn't hide his love for Buffalo or his love for, for the Bills because that was home. We've got two minutes. So we got two questions. The first one is from James in Gloucestershire, who is asking, are you going to Munich with Sky this year? Are you excited for the game in Munich? And he thinks, he's, asked, he's also asked, do you think there'll be more than one game in Munich eventually? Well, I think, I think, uh, am I going to Munich? I will go to Munich if I get an opportunity to go to Munich because I will not miss the first game of a regular season NFL game on German soil. That will be a huge party. And I'm going to tell you something. That is a great town. It is a great stadium. The first football game ever in that stadium. Two iconic football teams. It ought to be a tremendous, tremendous, I won't say Sunday, I'm going to say it's going to be a great week that week in Munich. And I do believe that another game will come back to Munich. You know, they're going to they're going to service Frankfurt and, you know, some of the other cities in, in Germany first. But I think obviously we will see more games in Munich because I think it's going to be a great weekend. Last question here from Lewis. Just first off, over a thousand people have watched us in 30 minutes. Well done. Who's, now, where, where's where's Lewis from? Lewis is from Glasgow. Oh, you got a Glaswegian. All right. He wants to know, will Colin Kaepernick sign with a team this season? Obviously, play with the Raiders, uh, train with the Raiders this week. 
Yeah, he's got to work out with the Raiders this week. It'll be interesting to see. The Raiders have kind of always, you know, had a thing for him. And, um, you know, he who would – who what team would he fit better with than, than, than the Raiders? I don't know. You know, you look at um, what the Raiders have done at quarterback. Obviously, Carr's going to be the starter. And then they go out and they trade to get um, – a backup from New England, all right, in Stidham. And now if Colin would come in, he'd probably have to either beat Stidham out or play as the third quarterback. Um, now, how much he how much he fits into what Josh McDaniels wants to do, I don't see the skill set fitting into that offense. But I do believe that um, Josh McDaniels knows enough football that he can find things that Colin Kaepernick can do if – in fact, his skills haven't eroded over the time he's been out of football. It's tough when you're playing quarterback, particularly. Time will tell. Maybe we'll get a chance to talk about this more on Tuesday. We're back on Tuesday night. We're going to be live, and we're going to have an interview with, 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 with one of your friends, Jeff. Uh, the podcast, Coffee with Coach, Reinbold. Just search Jeff Reinbold and Spotify or Apple Music. That has been refreshed. Sorry for the error last week. That's all I have, Jeff. All good? All good? All good, mate. It's been a great show. Welcome, Welcome again, to all of our fans who, and a thank you very much, uh, mahalo to everybody who's watched this on, whether it's live on Twitter, on YouTube, on any of the platforms that we go. We appreciate you very much. It's your show, not our show. Michael and I are indebted to you. See you on Tuesday, uh, Time TBC. Mahalo. All right. Aloha.